0: Well, good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'll tell you, I I just love our church. I love what God is doing in the life of our church. I love that um, we get to serve the Lord together. You know, um, this year our church turned 70 years old uh, this year. And uh, that's awesome. That's great. You know, um, outside of of Carl Worley, uh, our church didn't start with any of us. But but we get to be uh, faithful stewards of the gospel and, and continuing the work of God in and through our church, and I'm so grateful. You know, um, I, I want to say something today. Um, Al, Al, Alberta is here. Alberta Cotton, where 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 are you? Is she here today? Right there. Alberta's raising her hand. Everybody, look at her. Don't don't want to embarrass her. But do you know that on Friday? Yeah yeah. Stand up. That's amazing. You know, on Friday, she turned 100 years old. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I think about, <laughs> you're so cool. Um, I, I think about the things that she has seen and the changes that she's experienced. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And, and I love that, that about this church. Our church, we have such wisdom. And we have all generations that come here. I mean, I mean, God is at work through our, my father-in-law and our, our senior adult ministry. Pastor Paul is here and and serving the Lord through our senior adult ministry. And God is at work. And 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 our senior adults are involved in imparting wisdom and sharing and serving. And, and we're just trying to keep up with a lot of them. And and uh, and just serving the Lord so well. This this month, our student ministry is going to have Elevation Weekend, where you know hundreds of students are going to come and hear the gospel and and. God's, gonna, God's just at work at all generations in our children's ministry. The Lord's at work, and through Grant and through all of our workers, and in our preschool ministry with Melissa Zumwalt and Susan Helm, God is just at work in every area of our church, and I love that. I love serving the Lord with you and in this place. You know, um, I don't know if you remember, if you were alive in 2001, you likely remember 9-11 2001. I'll, I'll never forget that morning. I, it was a Tuesday, and I got to church really early because I was doing, I was a youth minister at the time, and, and I was doing a presentation in our staff meeting about taking our students to Nicaragua, getting on airplanes and flying to Nicaragua. And I had just pushed print on my computer, and I, and I was walking to the, print, the print printer, and, um, and one of our staff members said, hey, something has happened we got to turn on the television, so we turned it on, and uh, sure enough, we, we see one of the towers, and it's on fire, because that was the moment that, you know, the, the plane had hit the first tower, and we were sitting there thinking, man, is that, was that an accident? Oh, my goodness, and as we're watching, we see the second plane fly into the tower, and we were shocked, couldn't believe it. We thought, oh, my goodness, that's, we're under attack. I mean, we knew immediately, our nation is under attack. And then as we stood there in shock and just couldn't believe it, um, we, we saw the towers fall. And I just, I just can't, I'll never forget that moment of feeling a sense of loss and of tragedy and anger and all these things about, oh, my goodness, this is my country. And thinking to myself right before my eyes, this is historic, This is, this is, this changes, this is going to change our nation. This is going to change us. This is going to change my presentation today in staff meeting, which it did. But I thought, man, Lord, this is an historic moment. Well, We're beginning the book of Acts, and this is an incredible book to study. And, And I want you to know it's, it's, it's a bigger moment than 9-11. I mean, though it was a moment of tragedy in the end of Acts, but it was, it was more than that. It was a moment of, of complete historic transformation. But not just for a nation or for one group of people. It was for all people everywhere. And, and it was every human being, not just for their time, but for eternity. This was an historic moment that took place, and it was right in front of their eyes. And over the next really several months, uh, we're doing multiple series beginning in the book of Acts and just kind of tracking through this incredible book. So I want to invite you to read it and, and begin to engage it as we, as we comb through it. Now, we have a practice in the life of our church, and this is, didn't originate with us either. This has been an historic practice with believers everywhere, that when we read the word of God, we stand in honor of God's word. And and this is just a simple way to to worship and to honor the Lord and and for me as a pastor and, and for us as a people to recognize this is not my word, this is God's word to us. God has imparted his word to us and given us this incredible blessing. And so, so I, I don't want us to just go through the motions with this, but to, but to honestly offer a praise to the Lord about his word and, and how he's given it to us. So I will read the text, and we'll read it together. It'll be on the screen behind me, and, and uh, you can follow along in your Bibles in Acts chapter 1. But, but as, after I finish reading the text, I'm just going to say, state the obvious, this is the word of the Lord. And I would love for us as a congregation to respond by saying, praise be to God. I mean, we're grateful. We praise the Lord for giving us this as a guide for life and and for understanding. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1, and let's stand in honor of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 this morning. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, now, this is one of those, one of the most significant moments, not only in the lives of the disciples, but in our lives, in the history of the world. This is a, a phenomenal moment. And, and it's interesting as. As the Holy Spirit used his word, as God um, empowered people and people wrote down the text and the Spirit of God moved, you know, we have... Four accounts of the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—the Gospels. Those are those are four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. But it's not an exhaustive list. We don't know about much about Jesus when he was younger, and and we don't know everything about him. But but I mean, John said at the end of his book that if you were to write down everything that Jesus did, you couldn't hold enough books. And and so Acts comes along, and and it's. Um, it's the second half of the book of Luke, and, and Acts is not an exhaustive list or an account of the early church either. It's, a, it's kind of this, um, it's called in your Bible the Acts of the Apostles, but, but it's interesting because we don't know about Bartholomew or Andrew or Thomas or James the Younger, Judas son of James, or Matthias. We don't know about all those apostles. The apostles are men that were with Jesus. We'll talk about that a little next week. But, but um, it's even silent, Acts is even silent on, on kind of the last 15 years of Peter's ministry. So the book of Acts is interesting because it doesn't give us all the account of the apostles. But the book of Acts is very important. And, and we, we understand from verse 1 and, and from the author of the book of Acts that Luke was the writer now, Luke is, uh, we know a little bit about Luke. He was very smart. And, and if you study the original language in Acts 1, 1 through 4, you see that this was written in a, uh, by an educated man. The Greek was very complex. It was very proper. And, and it, was, it was very well written. And so we know that, and, and it's very similar to Luke. And what's interesting about the book of Acts is if, if you read the book of Luke, Acts picks up where Luke ends, and, and you can kind of read those two books together. And, and, and it's interesting when you look at Luke, he was, he was well-respected. He was a physician. He was uh, very uh, educated. He was um, a leader. Now, the thing that's significant about Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he was a Gentile. Now, um, that's most, that's a, I think all of us in this room, I would say that all of us in this room are Gentiles, and Luke was likely a Gentile believer who had come to faith in Christ, which is very significant for us because it shows that the gospel included us. You see, the original Jewish believers struggled with the fact that, that Gentiles didn't just have to convert to Judaism. Because, you know, when Peter and John and these disciples, they didn't see themselves starting another religion. As, as Jesus rose from the dead and, and as, as as he talked with them here as the church began, they just thought, we're not starting a new religion. This is, the Messiah has come. We're Jews and we're still practicing Jews. and And we're just continuing to be Jewish. But then all of a sudden we see in the book of Acts how all these Gentiles like you and me started coming to faith in Christ. And we didn't, and they didn't have to convert to Judaism. It was a big deal. Now, Theophilus, the author of verse 1, we see that Luke wrote to Theophilus. Now, we don't know much about Theophilus. He was a Uh, It's either, he was either a new believer that Luke was trying to say, Theophilus, I want you to know what happened, and and I want to help you grow in your faith, or Theophilus was an unbeliever that Luke was was wanting to share the gospel with, was wanting to persuade him. And and it's interesting when you look just structurally at the book of Luke and the book of Acts, um, a scroll was a standard length. Uh, If you went to the store and bought a scroll, it, it was all the same length. They were pretty long. The book of Luke is one scroll. The book of Acts is one scroll. And Luke was very intentional about Theophilus. I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know his life. And I want you to know how the church began. And so it's a real interesting book. Now, now, the book of Acts was probably written in about 62 AD, um, just so you'll know. We're not going to go into the proofs of all that. But, but Acts provides, and this is something I want us to see, Acts provides a growing believer Vital preparation for the gospel in our everyday lives. Now, th- now I want to just give you some real quick, some general um, reasons the Book of Acts is very important. First of all, Acts makes up one fourth of the New Testament. Now, think about that. If you just take Luke, Luke and Acts, they're very significant. That's a one fourth of the entire New Testament. They're long, long books. Acts provides this powerful account of radical life change for, for the disciples. Now think about this. Peter, um, when Jesus was crucified, remember what he did. He, he, he ran, cut, cut Naucus' ear off, and he took off. And then that little girl was questioning him, hey, you're with Jesus, and he cussed and said, no, I'm, I wasn't with Jesus. Then you find Peter behind a locked door at the end of the Gospels, and he's scared. He's afraid. Well, then, Acts 2, when we get there in a couple of weeks, Peter's completely different. He's bold. He's standing before people making these incredible proclamations about gospel, the gospel. And the disciples who were once afraid are now bold and powerful and, and taking a stand. Now, of course they are because Jesus rose from the dead. And we see what, man, this changed their life. And it provides, the book of Acts provides this radical life change that took place. It also fills in the gap between the gospels and the epistles. Like the epistles, the letters to Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philippians. These are pastoral letters written to churches. And the book of Acts helps us fill in the gaps of how the church began to grow. The book of Acts... um, and this is important too. It provides this transition of the gospel becoming a worldwide faith. That the gospel is now spreading worldwide, open to you and I, Gentiles. It, it also reveals the historical background many churches dealt with in the New Testament. So we can understand how the gospel spread, and we'll, we'll track this through the book of Acts. It portrays the power of God at work in the church through the Holy Spirit. That, and then we'll see this at Pentecost. And then to the present day, the power of the Holy Spirit is at work, and we'll unpack this. And, and sadly, though, Acts has become this battleground for evangelical Christians. For, for, for us as Baptists, we, we are a Baptist church, and we're not sad about that or, or hiding that. We, we believe um, what we believe, and we're passionate about our doctrines. They're listed on our website if you're gis, g- visiting today. Um, but, but in Baptist life, we sometimes are a little intellectual, and we don't have as much rhythm, okay? I married a Baptist that can dance, okay? And, and I can't dance. And, 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 but as Baptists, we need to loosen up a little bit. Our charismatic brothers, they, they kind of can get with it. We're, we're learning to clap a little better. We're kind of getting with it a little bit. I'm excited for us. Um, but, um, but the book of Acts has become a little bit of a battleground. I have a good friend that I, we taught a Bible study get together in college, our freshman year of college in the dorm, and and he and I have essentially followed the same tracks in ministry. He's just been in the charismatic circles, and I've been in the Baptist circles. And so it's been interesting to watch Jason, whom I love and respect greatly. The book of Acts, he, he, he sees a little differently than I do. It's become dividing for us in many ways. We're going to unpack some of these. Now, keep in mind... And I want you to know this, as a Baptist, and as intellectual, or as, as those that, that we don't just loosen up very much, recognize that our faith is supernatural. It's not, sometimes we make it too natural. It's supernatural. God is at work in a supernatural way in our lives. Now, at the same time, Jason and I would disagree, he sees more of a miracle on every, in every moment. Kind of thing, and it's not that either. We gotta have, we gotta really understand the Book of Acts. But but let's keep in mind. Let's learn from our charismatic brothers and sisters that it is it is a supernatural work, and the Acts reveals this supernatural work in our lives. So let's let's look at this. Look at verse three. So we know who wrote it, and and Luke says says to Theophilus, he said, I want you to know, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And Luke Luke is very intentional saying, Theophilus, I want you to know that that Jesus, he's alive. Now Luke being a doctor, he knew what dead was. Uh, He could recognize dead. And, And it was significant for this doctor who was very respected, very intelligent, recognized Theophilus, I want you to know he's alive, and he appeared to people. And that was, that's important for us to grab a hold of. You know, it's, my son is in an AP history class here in Owasso, and uh, he came home. Uh, and, Eric, I may not get this exactly right, but I'm preaching today, and you're not, so I'm just going to tell you. Um, but uh, he's sitting over here. Um, but he was telling me about uh, his history class and that they were teaching uh, about Zoroastrianism. And their argument was in their history book that, that the Jews just borrowed stories from Zoroastrianism and Zoroastrianism took place before Judaism. So, but their argument is this religious belief is just a man-made thing, that they, we just made it up. And the Jews just made up these stories and they didn't really happen. And I hear this all the time. This is a argument that critics of our faith, critics of, of the Bible will say all the time. The, here's, the, here's where all that breaks down. That Jesus rose from the dead, okay? He was dead and he now is alive. Okay, if you went to somebody's funeral and then they came and said, after they, you buried them and they said, hey, can I have a meeting with you? Yeah. I'll show up. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That may freak you out. But Jesus showed up. He conquered the grave. So this problem about we made all this up historically completely breaks down if Jesus rose from the dead because what it does, what the resurrection of Christ does, it validates everything that Jesus said. It validates the prophets. It validates what happened historically. Now, That's what Luke is saying, and that that Jesus, look, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Now, we don't know all the proofs, but Luke said many of them, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, can you imagine getting to hear Jesus preach after he rose from the dead? Oh, my goodness. Uh, They they were hanging on every word. Now, point number one today, if you're following along in your notes, I hope you do, that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, did in fact rise from the dead and is at work in the lives of believers all over the world. I want you to know that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. The resurrection took place. Acts 1 reveals this moment that changed the history of, of all men at every time. Now, 1 Peter 1, Peter writes this, and Peter was transformed by the gospel and was forgiven. And and, and in that moment, that's why he writes, and I love this, when he says in, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy, and Peter knew the mercy of God, he knew what forgiveness was like, he had messed up. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That the hope that you and I have is not a dead hope, it's alive. There's a reason for the hope that we have. This is why I encourage you, Rob Lewis and I are gonna be starting a class this Wednesday night and we do this every January. Um, it's the only class we're offering on Wednesday night. so. Uh, we hope you come, but we 're going to be dealing with how we defend our faith and, and the re how you can have a reason for your faith and and I, We invite you to come and join us. We are going to be recording them and putting them online if you if you 're interested in, in just listening to those later but but, um, but we invite you to come. I'm, I'm so excited about January 29th. We have Frank Turek coming. And uh, Frank Turek is one of the leading apologists in, in the world. He's phenomenal. He's written a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And he's going to be in our services on January 29th. And so I, I want you to understand there's a reason for our faith. That the hope that we have in Christ is alive. And this is what... what what Luke is writing to Theophilus, his friend, saying, Theophilus, I want you to know, I know what that is. Jesus appeared, and he has proven that something miraculous has taken place. And, and, and uh, verse 4, look at verse 4. And, and it goes on. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said you heard from me. Now they were told to, to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. Now I remember Jesus had told them about it and he said that the Holy Spirit was gonna come and, and, and naturally Jesus knew that these guys were gonna have a lot of questions. And, and, and I want you to know it's gonna it had to have been amazing as the disciples heard the, the resurrected Christ preach and then remember The things that they heard him teach before he had risen from the dead how they were like oh wow okay I got it but Jesus reminded them look at verse 5 for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now now we'll unpack that when we get to Pentecost the details of that so so when they had come together and and this is a natural question to ask they were like okay the holy spirit's gonna come and then jesus points out so when they had come together they asked him lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel which is a natural question for us i mean we think the same thing we 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 get so fascinated with the end times and and we we hear these preachers that say okay well this bomb went off in israel so let me explain how this Fits with prophecy, and 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 you know it's okay to study prophecy and, and to study revelation and to think about how is and when is Jesus going to return. But can I tell you, you should not let that consume you. The the reality is Jesus is going to return, and 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 it's interesting in this in this dialogue. The disciples are like us, going, "Hey Jesus, is this when you're going to fix everything? Is this when everything's going to? Well, help us, tell us what did, what's going to happen." And what does Jesus say? Look at this. Verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So for us, we we got to hear that. that, that we, we shouldn't worry about that. We shouldn't sweat over all those things. We shouldn't be consumed with those things. Why? Because we got work to do. We've got a job to do. And the disciples are seeing this. And, and, and Jesus was preparing them like, fellas, look, Something important is gonna happen and you need to not worry about the end times. You need to recognize, look what he says, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and what Jesus was preparing them was what was about to happen in Acts two that we're gonna to get to. From the moment of Pentecost until Christ returns, the Holy Spirit did something different things changed in believers from, this, from Pentecost on. And this is that transition period that we see the Holy Spirit at work. And we see, look, the Holy Spirit is gonna come. Now, let's understand this about the Holy Spirit. Point number two today is the Holy Spirit is not only at work around us, but the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us. You see, that's what happens at Pentecost. Pentecost that the Holy Spirit began to indwell them. Something different took place. Now, we'll unpack this as as time goes on, but I want us to understand this for a second, that that the moment uh, for us, the moment that we are saved, after Acts 2, this happened in believers and will happen for those that are saved until Jesus returns, that the moment you are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you, comes into your life the very, very moment. Now, we see this in Ephesians 1, verse 13. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. That that when the Holy Spirit, when we trust Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, that's the moment, in that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Now, we'll unpack this in Pentecost about, and we'll we'll try to look at this theologically and and, and put our head around it, but, but here's what I want us to see. First of all, the Holy Spirit moves us to a new way of life, that the Holy Spirit is moving in us, and he moves us to interact with him. Um, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Now, now, this is important, and this is where I want us to understand this, because I know a lot of people that will say, oh, the Holy Spirit gives you power, and it's, and it's, it's oh, I'm going to have all this power, supernatural power, that's at work, and, and and we do, but let's understand what Jesus is saying here when He says, "I'm going to give you power for what? What is the power for? Well, He lists it right here. You'll be my witnesses." You see, the Holy Spirit moves us to be a witness, and you see it right there, here, there, and everywhere, and I love how the Holy Spirit moves, and I look at our church, and I'm amazed at how God it allows us to infiltrate so many parts of our city, so many parts of Tulsa and, and Owasso and Collinsville and Skytook, and, 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 and it's amazing how the Lord sends us out. And I, and I love it because, you know, like, I think about the teachers and coaches here and and the engineers here and and how God has equipped us in so many different ways. Uh, The the way we infiltrate American Airlines and all these different places of business around, all these communities around. And what's amazing about all that is that that if I walked into your office and and say you're an engineer and I walked into all your engineers, they would look at me and go, I'm not listening to you, you're a pastor. I'm not gonna listen to you. But you're an engineer that works beside them every day. God uses you. See, see, the Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses. And, and, and I want us to not miss that. that. That we're called to be witnesses for Christ. And yes, God does lift our head. The Holy Spirit gives us power to work through life and overcome challenges. Those things are true. But in Acts 1 8, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you power to go be a witness in here, right here where you live, in Jerusalem, in your state, in Judea, in your nation, in your Samaria, and all over the world. And see, this is the example we're to follow. The Holy Spirit is at work, not only around us, but inside of us. Look at verse 9. And when he had said these things as they were looking on he was lifted up and a cloud took them out of their sight. Now this is before Star Trek. Star Trek got their example from right here. This is where they got the idea. Beam me up. Okay? This is before Steven Spielberg ever had cool special effects. I mean this is first century. And all of a sudden, they're talking to Jesus, and he's teaching them. He's like, okay, you're going to have power. And and see, think about this, that that Jesus knew he's about to ascend into heaven. And this was the last thing that he was going to tell them. Now, now if you knew that this was the last thing you were going to say to your son or daughter, your mom or dad, this is the last thing I'm going to say face to face, don't you think you'd think about what you would say? absolutely. That's why the disciples said, Luke, you got to write this down. If you're writing this down, you write better than us, Luke. So write this down. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so this is important. We got to catch this. Now, as they're standing there, Jesus goes up right in front of their eyes They're like, are you kidding me? The cloud envelops him, and they're like, oh, my goodness, look what it says. Verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven, two men stood beside them in white robes. Now, what's amazing about this text, all through the scripture, when an angel shows up, everybody flips out. You know, they're like, oh, my goodness, they're terrified. Well, this angel shows up, these two angels show up, and they're like, what's up? Can you believe that? Are you kidding me? Jesus just went to heaven. They're not even afraid of these guys. And all of a sudden, these two men finally get their attention and they say, look at this, why do you stand, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go. So they're going, guys, stop, stop looking up in the sky. Fellas, we got work to do. Point number three is this: I, I, this is what I see God saying to us. God never intended for us to be idle. He's called us to get focused on sharing the gospel. And that's us, that's who we are, that we've got a job to do. We've got work to do. And, and see what breaks my heart is that so many believers are idle that they're, they're sitting around going, "Yeah, I'm just, yeah, just life's hard, man. Life's tough. See, Jesus was preparing the disciples, look, you're going to go be witnesses. Now, And that's tough. These disciples, they were beaten for their faith. I mean, Peter and John, they, they, they were beaten up because they followed Jesus. Now, I've been beaten up a couple of times. But it was because I was smart aleck, not because I was following Jesus. The disciples here, they had been beaten up for following Christ. And guess what? God gave them power to continue. They say, look, i got to speak up. Beat me up again. I don't care. I can't remain silent. These men, these disciples faced difficult times, and it reminds me of, of so many believers so many times in my own life that I want to make excuses and say, oh, Lord, life's hard. This has been tough. I mean, our first service, we had Barry Autry who's here, and, um, and I was just compelled to use him as an example because I've watched Barry, and he's a member of our church, and and. And he's gone through so much tragedy in his life. His, his oldest son committed suicide, and it was, as a teenager, he was, just got a baseball scholarship, a D1 baseball scholarship, and took his life right after that. Then he gets cancer, and it was devastating. The doctor said, you're gonna die in six months. And that was like three years ago. And he's, he's doing better. He's, 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 uh, he's been really sick. And, and in his journey, he has never stopped following the Lord. And, and, and people all over the world have been following him on Facebook and watching his story. And here he is sharing his story, not using like this as an excuse saying, God, this is tough. I don't, man, what are, what are you doing? God's given him power to be a witness. And let me tell you something, that's what Jesus does. And so many believers are idle. And they're like, oh Lord, I'm just, this is hard. Let me tell you something, life's hard. We will face trouble. Jesus said in John 16, I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world, Jesus said. And see, I want you to see that, that he gives us power, and, and, and he doesn't want us to be idle. This is why we're, we're, my calling in your, in, in your life, our pastor's calling in your life, is not to do the work of ministry for you. It's to do the work of ministry with you and to prepare you to do the work of ministry that, that whether you're playing baseball or whether you're, you're a student or whether you are um, working at a, a, as a coach or American Airlines or, or an engineer or in oil and gas, uh, you're to be a witness for Christ. You're not to be idle. You're to use all the gifts that you've been given to serve the Lord in everything you have and everything you do. And I want us to hear this in, in, in Ephesians or Second Corinthians, chapter five. Paul writes this, and, and it's so in, in, intriguing to me. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Jesus made us new, and the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God." Who through Christ, look at this, reconciled us to himself, made us right with himself. God made us right. He forgave our sins and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, look at this, the the fact that he would give you and I this message of reconciliation. He goes on, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God was making the world right. God was, was ministering. God was helping people see that forgiveness is possible. Look at this. Not counting their trespasses against them. Do you know that, that's, that forgiveness is available to you? Wherever you are, whatever you've done, that you can be forgiven? And this is the truth. This is what the Bible tells us, that, that he doesn't count our trespasses against us and is entrusted to us The message of reconciliation, that you and I have been entrusted with this message of forgiveness to the world. That's why we should be witnesses. Therefore, you and I, as believers, as followers of Christ, we've got to be bold. You and I have got to be bold. And let me tell you something, we've got to be more bold for Christ. We, We can't be idle. We can't be silent about our faith Let's be bold witnesses for Jesus. We've got to be brave. You know, God's going to call us to things that are outside of our comfort zone. God's going to move you to talk to somebody or to, or to take a stand. And, and I'll tell you, we've got to we've got to be brave. There are times it's going to be scary walking with Jesus. I'm, I'm amazed. Last week, Justin Hoot was here, and he and his lovely wife, and, and we prayed for them as they are about to go to one of uh, to a Muslim part of the world to translate the Bible. And we prayed over them last Sunday. And they've gone as a brave believer saying, Jesus, uh, yeah, I could be kidnapped. I could be killed. But these people need the Bible. Man, we, we, we've got to be brave. Come on. Let's be brave believers. We also have to be believing be people that say, Lord, we will believe you. We will trust you. So are you walking with Jesus today? Oh, do you know him today? Do you know Christ as your Savior today? Do you see that, that he rose from the dead and changed history, changed eternity forever? And this was the moment. Have, have you trusted in Christ as your savior? Come to him today, I pray. Pray you come to him today. You can walk down the aisle today. We could take you outside and show you how you could begin a relationship with God, how you could put your faith and trust in Him. You know, have you been just cruising through the motions in your walk with the Lord? Oh, folks, we've got to be passionate followers of Christ. That's why we have invitations here. Without apology, we invite you to respond to the, not to me, but to the Lord. I want to ask you to stand right where you are. And as you stand, Joe's going to come out and he's going to lead us in the song that we just sang called Come to the Altar. And can I tell you that right now the Holy Spirit's at work and that, that his arms are open wide to you? Follow Jesus. What's keeping you from being a passionate, faithful, obedient follower of Christ. Oh, can I tell you, it's not worth it. Anything that's keeping you from Christ, from from following him, is not worth it. I pray that, I, I love Alberta being here. Man, 100 years old, she comes to worship today, going, God, I'm here to learn, serve you, walk with you. I don't know how many years each one of us have, But I'll tell you, let's let's make every moment count for the kingdom of God. Our altars are open. You come. Lord Jesus, move us. Move in us. Lead us right now in Jesus' name.